You're going to remember this every day for the rest of your life. If you want to get to a goal, if you want to get to your dream, you've got to focus on all the little steps. You have to put in your time. You have to be patient and you have to enjoy the process. Whatever you're doing now, whatever you want to be great at, whatever you want to be special at, I'm sure you, you may be already be good at it, but to be extraordinary, you have to do extra. I firmly believe that we are all here for a very specific reason, to do something truly extraordinary. But what are you going to do to get there? Welcome to the Magna Method Podcast, and I am very fortunate today to sit down with NFL tight end and Super Bowl champion, Vernon Davis. Welcome to the show, Vernon. Good to be here. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Please, man. It's, uh, it's really my honor, and uh, it, I'm very happy to sit down with you. I know that I have uh, some previous experience with Vernon. I was fortunate enough to be on a team where... We trained uh, a large group of pro athletes in Aventura, Florida, and uh, I, I've known Vernon to be a very, very hard worker and an all-around good guy, but we're going to kind of just dive right into it and ask him some questions about his life, his upbringing, and how he's achieved this high level of success in, in the NFL and in life. So, Vernon, tell us a little bit about your, your start. Where are you from? Well, I grew up in Washington, D.C., not too far from the White House. I grew up around a lot of crime, poverty, you name it. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my grandmother by my side who, who helped me. She, uh, just through love and the way she embraced me, uh, it just made me want to do everything for her. And when I say everything, it just made me want to um, just do more, you right. know, be successful, go on in life and just mm -hmm. achieve greatness. So um, I started out with basketball. I never really played football, actually, just on the streets whether it was outside in front of the house or on a grass field at a local elementary school. Um, basketball was always my dream. I wanted to be like Vince Carter. Vin I wanted to be just like him. Uh, jumping through the roof. Half man, half amazing is what they used to call him. He was amazing. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I got to, um, to high school. I realized that they had their starting five. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, ah, it's probably not going to work out for me. Um, they have their starting five. I'm six four, and you know my position is power forward, so I would need to be uh, a little taller uh, in order to make it. So I walked into the football team, walked in, told coach I wanted to play on the offensive side of the ball, whether it was tight end or wide receiver. Got out there that that tenth grade year had scholarships from everybody, you know, uh, from Maryland, U University of Virginia, Florida, Stanford, um, you name it. You know, they were all knocking on my door. That was fast. Did you, did, at what point did you realize, hey, man, uh, like, I'm pretty good at this? I mean, you, uh, you, you were growing up a, a good athlete. Uh, yeah, I was always a good athlete. I always believed that I was fast. You know, I didn't know how fast I really was until I got out there in 10th grade and I was running by everybody. I mean, Josh Cribbs was even out there and, you know, he's, he's had a tremendous career, but he was there and I was just running by everybody and, and coach looked at me and said, wow, you're fast and you're big. I was about 220 pounds at the time. Was this a junior? I was a, I was a sophomore. Wow. It was 220. That's a big sophomore. Yeah, I was a big sophomore. Oof. And, um, yeah, and I just, you know, after that, that 10th grade year, I was just, um, I was so dominant, right? And, I, I, and, and that gave me that inspiration and just the confidence to be able to, to just go all the way. And I realized, I just said to myself, I said, wow, this is okay. This is, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to look back. So I just right. 
I started to stay out after practice every day. You know, I was the last person to leave the school. Mm-hmm. You know, I would leave school at 6 p.m. You know, everyone else was at home. You know, right. you know and uh, just put the time in. At this point, you know, personally myself growing up, um, you know, I immersed myself in the Sports Illustrated, the magazines, watching NFL uh, documentaries, and there were a few NFL athletes I wanted to be like. I mean, uh, man, I loved Howie Long, Lawrence Taylor, Andre mm-hmm. Tibbet, Dick Butkus, or uh, Mike Singletary. Who did you want to be like, Mike Singletary? Who did you want to be like? Um, uh, what NFL player were you like? Wow, I like that guy. I want to be like him. Were there anyone? Um, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens. Yes. I mean, he's a serious athlete. Yeah, Why serious Terrell athlete. Owens other than uh, great productivity and popularity at the time? What did mm. you like about Terrell Owens' game? You know, I, I just loved that he was so explosive. He was so – he was just a, a physical specimen. He's tall, athletic, explosive. I just wanted to be like him. You know, right. when, whenever I you know, had a chance to see him play, I was like, wow, that guy really stands out to me. He's a difference maker. And he was. He, he was. He was a tremendous – Larry, he's had a, a tremendous career, a Hall of Famer, you know, in my eyes. And I just wanted, wanted to be just like him and, you know, in so many different ways. I, I know he's had problems off the field. Right. You know, I didn't really, at the time, I didn't really pay attention to that. I just wanted, I just saw the player. Right, right of course. Yeah, so. Great player. Yeah. Great player. So all these schools come calling and, you know, now you have to, you know, really buckle down and make a decision. What was it like going through that process in high school and, you know, mm-hmm. Let me actually stop before that. You know, there, there. You said you didn't grow up in the best area. This is important for our mm-hmm. audience to hear because we get a lot of kids, high school kids, college kids, and you know, you could grow up in a wealthy neighborhood. You could grow up in a uh, tough uh, neighborhood, but there's always going to be uh, moments and times where you could put yourself in a bad situation. What was it like growing up for you as a kid? Was it was it hard to avoid those negative circumstances? The uh, is it drugs, partying, alcohol, or negative influences as a young person? Was that hard? Uh, it was. It was. It was extremely hard growing up uh, to avoid um, um, uh, the other kids who you know who wanted to go in a totally different direction, right? Uh, in a negative way. It was. It was tough. But I think once I started to uh, once my first time getting in trouble with the law, you know, I got arrested. When I was in sixth grade, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, then it, then it happened one more time after that. What happened? You know, we were the first time we we, we you know broke in someone's backyard, you know, kind of like their house, their right. balcony, and, right. and stole their bikes. The second time, um, same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That time we stole their dogs, and um, we got arrested. And you know, after that, they didn't really hold anything against us. But after that. You know, I started to change my life, right? Mm-hmm. Seventh grade, eighth mm-hmm. grade. I started, to, I was in the National Honor Society. Wow. Um, That's a great turnaround. Yeah, I started, Serious. I was enrolled in a program called Close Up in Washington, D.C., where they take a select group of kids and we go into Washington, D.C., and we spend time at the Capitol, the White House, and we spend like, I think it was like two weeks, right? And we just stay in a hotel. So that was pretty cool. That's when my whole life started to change. And I started to take sports uh, serious. Um, in junior high school, uh, had one of the top schools in the area wanted me to come play, play basketball for them. What school? Uh, Dematha. Oh yeah, no. Yes. Well, I had teammates at college from Dematha. Okay. Shout out to uh, Tyron Turner. Oh, nice. Yeah. Turner. What's up? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I decided to go to Dump Harlow and Dunbar instead right. because I didn't want to wear the uniforms. 
The uniforms. Yeah. Wow. Ugly uniforms? I just didn't want to wear uniforms. I wanted to wear jeans and sweaters. Oh, I understand. You know? Oh, so I, I understand. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking football uniforms. Hip-hop culture. I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's an important detail. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, maybe they got rid of it after they lost your, uh, they didn't sign you. Possibly. You're Possibly. Right. You're right. Ah. So you have to decide now. Um, you're being very productive on the field. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a standout. Everyone knows who Vernon Davis is. You're playing tight end, correct? Yes. Okay, you're playing tight end, mm-hmm. and everyone comes calling. What? Tell me about the recruiting experience. And, you know, there's always a lot of stories that come with, you know, some coaches. I had a friend in high school that he was the top number one high school basketball player in the country. And it's interesting, actually, when he was playing for the Celtics later on in life and I was playing for the Patriots, he was going through some crazy times. But when he was getting recruited, he had, like, uh, no, I wouldn't want to say Mike Krzyzewski because he wasn't that kind of student, but he had uh, Stu Jackson, he had Billy Donovan, uh, O'Brien, all the coaches from big-time basketball schools in his house Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What was the recruiting process like for you? Um, it was nice. It was a nice experience. It was uh, it was overwhelming at first, but you know I embraced it, and it was just like uh, – it was like the best time of my life, you know, just being able to go home and show my grandmother these letters and uh, how much uh, people, how many people were really after me, uh, particular, particularly schools, uh, to to come play for them. And right. it was it was just a great experience, and you know, it was just like something that just doesn't happen like every day or like right. often. Right. You know, and it's um, it was it was a big deal. It was a big deal, and it was a, uh, it was really really um, uh, inspirational for everyone. You know, it's nice to be wanted, and it's nice to be uh, recognized for all your hard work on and off the field. And then people saying, you know, we want to be a better program. We need that guy to be better, or we need that guy if we want to be special. Mm-hmm. And they certainly said that of uh, yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, so you. You whittle it down to how how many schools? Were there who were the top three schools in the running for Vernon Davis coming out? Uh, University of Maryland was number one. UVA was number two, and I highly considered uh, Purdue. Interesting. And you you decide on Maryland. Tell me why. Yes, I decided on Maryland because I had a goal and I had a plan. Right, my plan was to stay at home. Right, stay at home, same way I did when I was in high school. And I knew for a simple fact, and I knew in my heart, and I had faith that I would go somewhere after I was done playing, you know, mm-hmm. at, in, on the on the collegiate right, level. Right. Um, so you know, my plan was in place. So I decided to stay close to home, and just to just so that I could be around my family, like my grandmother, my in case she needed some help with anything, uh, because I was so close to her, mm-hmm. I always felt like I needed to be there with her and for her. So that was. Um, a factor when considered when I you know considered staying close to home mm-hmm. and uh, playing ball. That's interesting. Very admirable to uh, want to be there so she can lean on you and because uh, you leaned on her for so many years. So I know mm-hmm. what that's like. You know personally with my mother. Um, but you had uh, you have a very athletic family. What was that like? You have a brother that plays in the NFL as well. So growing up, what was it like? You, you we. Off camera and off the air, we actually, uh, off audio, we talked about your brother, and he wasn't, you were naturally a workout guy. 
mm-hmm. and you love to train. He didn't necessarily love to train. What was that like uh, trying to acclimate him to the fitness athletic culture in regards to training? Well, I think uh, when it came Vontae, yeah, my brother Vontae Davis, who plays for the Indianapolis Colts, he's in year eight, I believe. Uh, time flies, you know, I can't even keep up. But, uh, yeah, he was, as a kid, he stayed. In the, he was one of those kids to stay in the house and play video games all day. Wow. Yeah. So I was always the one going out and just, you know, I, I stayed on the streets, just uh, playing, riding bikes. I rode a lot of, I did a lot of biking when I was uh, little. Um, so I was doing that. And I would ha- literally have to take his hand, like on like Saturday, Friday, Saturday mornings, and I would take him and we'd go to a nearby school, neighborhood uh, Roosevelt Senior High School, and I would make workouts up. Like we would run the bleachers, I would put the, um, uh, the hurdles, out there and we would we would hurdle over those. Uh, we would run around the track. I just made stuff up. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I know the direction, you know, I right. know the path that I wanted to go. Cause I saw a future, I saw hope for him and I saw hope for my, as well as myself. Well, even structuring workouts and taking time, putting time aside to train like that mm-hmm. is a huge advantage and a huge, uh, uh, I don't wanna say advancement, but just, asset to a young person Mm -hmm. the whole time is your brother hating it is he complaining he was he didn't really know what i was doing he was trying to figure out okay so why are you doing this but he followed me he followed me you know um i don't he couldn't understand he didn't understand at the time that i was pushing him right because i wanted to bring him with me so i i didn't think i didn't know he was going to make it right because he he didn't blossom until maybe 11th grade when he was in high school you know he was just you know just out there just falling just playing you know he was never really a spectacular athlete growing up as a kid. Like, you know, like when people, when I play ball, people would say, oh, he's he's good, he's dominant, you know, this and that. But Vontae, I didn't really know. All I knew is that I had a brother that I was really close to and I wanted him to be successful. Right. So all I could do is just take his hand and expect him to follow. Mm-hmm. And he did, mm-hmm. you know, and he was drafted uh, as a freshman draft pick and I just got word, like maybe like a few years ago that we were uh, the fourth generation of brothers to get drafted in the first round. Wow, that's a great stat yeah. right there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Man, that must have been a uh, incredible moment mm-hmm. uh, after he got drafted. When you get drafted as well, we'll talk about that later. Incredible, really incredible. Mm-hmm. So you you choose Maryland because you had a goal and you had a pathway. So what's it like? You show up at the University of Maryland mm-hmm. and you get to campus. Was that a shock, culture shock? Because for most people, I went to a school that is uh, large, largely considered academic. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was very overwhelming. I'm dyslexic. I have learning disabilities up the uh, wazoo, and it was very hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. I had to acclimate myself. What was it like for you showing up on a college campus, you know, both academically and athletically on the field? Showing up to college was a culture shock for me. You know, all my life I had I'd gone to school with uh, pretty predominantly uh, uh, African-Americans, mm-hmm. right? So I get there, I'm like, wow, I'm in these classes with all these – smart people <laughs> and I was like uh, oh man uh, what did I do where did I go mm-hmm. but um, and you're on your own for the first I, time yeah really. I'm on my own yeah. I was on my own and I was like wow this is uh, um, you know I was a little I was apprehensive mm-hmm. I was apprehensive about it but you know I got I became acclimated and you know I I learned I learned to um, to become uh, more familiar with the environment that I was in and um, I just kept going I just mm-hmm. kept going, and uh, it was a great evi- environment to be in, and I, I learned a lot, and I grew. Right. I mean, personally, I was 
always around athletes. Uh, so I was really social in athletic circles. But I realized when I got to college, I really wasn't social outside my athletic circles. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that the same for yourself? Because college kind of forces us. There's a few ways. Number one, college campus has more students than high school. Mm-hmm. Secondly, most college courses have a participation grade. Man, you have to stand up and talk. Or you have to talk to the students. Or you want to immerse yourself in the studies. That Therefore, you need to communicate. And most of that communication comes outside of the athletic arena. Were you much of the same? Were you very social before you got to college mm-hmm. outside of your teams and your buddies? Because I really wasn't. Nah, not really. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like you. I wasn't that social. Right. Um, something I had to learn I had to, to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I did, I, I learned it. Just like anything else, learning something, learning to do something, uh, just growing, you know, as a, as a person, mm-hmm. uh, finding yourself. And I became better. I got better at it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a matter of time. So you acclimate yourself in uh, on campus at the university. You're going through practices. What was the, were there any moments where you were like, wow, this is, we're not in high school anymore. I mean, I know you were certainly uh, at the top of the class and you did well, but were there any moments where you're like, man, this is, this is the next level now. I really got to step my game up. Um, Collegiately first. Yeah, I think, um, well, when I walked into, um, well, when, yeah, when I walked into the class, well, the classroom. Okay. I, I walked into the classroom, um, and I, and I saw how uh, studious everyone was, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, oh man, I just, I really have to step my game up, right. especially if I want to be able to um, just be in compliance with uh, with NCAA as far as being able right. to play and um, uh, just being eligible uh, to do that. I knew that I had to really. Um, start doing more, reading more, and just uh, just just taking my taking my study habits uh, serious. Right. And I did it. I did it. And uh, and like I said before, I just kept going. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting you say that. You notice that everyone is more studious and taking uh, the classroom mm-hmm. work very serious. What you don't realize when you're a college athlete is that you're there. You get there through athletics, but quickly you start mm-hmm. to understand that all the students are there for their education. Mm-hmm. And your people say it's oh it's easy to be an athlete and be at a school. Well, absolutely. If you're an athlete, you know that's actually not true. It's actually it's completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's twice as hard because you have two responsibilities. You have mm-hmm. responsibility to fulfill athletically, and you also have responsibility academically. And the regular students they are completely immersed in academics, and they don't have to lift weights for two hours. Uh, run for 30 minutes. They don't have to uh, practice two hours a day. They don't have a one-hour film session. They have just the classroom work, which isn't trying to take away from what they do because what they do is hard, but you have dual responsibility. So were there any uh, hurdles you had You know, trying to juggle both? Was it always smooth sailing? What was it like going back and forth? Because, I mean, football takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make sure you do well in the classroom. And mm-hmm. In the classroom, you're not there to survive. You're kind of there to take charge of it. Mm-hmm. Were there any obstacles for you that you can remember? Yeah, I think um, at first just with the, the the volume as far as the the work that we had on the foot as far as football, um, we had to go to practice, and then we had a, a study hall, right? Study hall, study yeah. Hall. There was weekend so much, study hall? Yes, we had weekend study hall as well as during the weekend. 
you know, it was just a lot of work. I'm like, wow, I have to actually I have to work out. I have to go to, I have to, go to study hall. Then I have to practice. Uh, oh, well I see class. all the college students having a good time and doing yeah, their thing. Well class, and then you have these students, they, they, they're going here, going there. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of work. I was like, oh. But I wanted to be successful so bad. You know, I just, you know, kind of like how you go underwater and then, then you, if someone's holding you underwater and then you, you, you know in order for you to continue to live and not drown, you have to come up, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna do Absolutely. everything you possibly can to get your breath. Eric Thomas. That's how successful That's right. I wanted to That's be. That's right. You yeah. wanna succeed as bad as you wanna breathe, yep. then you'll be successful. He's Thomas. the man. E.T. E.T. I'm sure you've seen him live. Hey, 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 He's it's no, your boy E.T. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable when yeah. he tells a story. Did you hear the E.T. story about uh, payment for his speaking? Payment? Payment. No. So I'm going to tell you the story. So at the time, he's getting paid anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $5,000 uh, from his speech mm-hmm. and um, for his speech. So he gets a call from Nick Saban, University of Alabama. Uh-huh. He says, hey, we want to bring you in to speak to our guys. Um, would you be okay with that? He said, yeah, but let me ask you a question. How did you um, how did you find me? He said, well, I Googled the top motivational speakers in the country, and you came up on the list. You were number three. He says, who was number one? And he says, Tony Roberts was number one. And then he told him who number two was. I don't know if it was Zig Ziglar or uh, Stephen Covey, but he said, but let me ask you, how much does it cost? And he says, let me get back to you. He says, let me get back to you to Nick Saban. So he has, he, Eric Thomas says he has one of his boys in his entourage call Tony Robbins' uh, team and say, hey, I want Tony Robbins to come down to my uh, neighborhood and holler at me and my boys for an hour. How much is it going to cost? She says, for an hour, it's $175,000. Saban said that? No, uh, one of Eric Thomas's buddies called to uh-huh. try to do the uh, price comparison, uh-huh. called Tony Robbins' Tony, team right? to uh-huh. find out how much it would cost for an hour. Okay. So they tell him. Eric Thomas's buddy is going to cost $175,000. He said, $175,000? He's number one. I'm number three. Do the math. She so said, Well, if he's number one, I'm number three. It's at least 100 So he calls Nick Saban. He says, It's going to be $100,000. Nick Saban says, Okay. He checks in the mail. He went from making $3,500 to $5,000 to $100,000 for less than an hour. And that's when he knew he was on his way. $100,000. For less than an hour. Less than, and by the way, he speaks every day. Keep that in mind. So I saw him speak live, and he was great. And he uh, he has some interesting things to say, but it's definitely something to think about. You may have a, uh, a future in public speaking. Go see him speak live, and I'm sure in a couple of years you'll be speaking publicly. I know you already do, but for very large rooms. Anyway, so... Um, you know, you had your struggles in the classroom, and then you realized you buckled down. You did all the work. You had these huge dreams. You know, um, at what point do you did you come out as a sophomore or a junior? I came out as a junior. As a ju- uh, mm. junior, I forget what the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you come out as a junior. At what point do you decide I'm going to take my game to the next level? Upon coming out, mm-hmm. um, you say, you know what, I'm I'm going to leave early. I'm going to leave early, and, I, and I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. I had a plan to leave early. Okay. Yeah, I, had, I had a plan. I also had a plan to get drafted in New York. Okay. Didn't know if it really happened, but right. my goal and 
through visualization and the plan that I had set forth, I said, I'm going to play the best. I'm going to play as hard as I possibly can this junior year and try to leave early and get drafted in New York. And it happened, right? Ended up leaving early. I uh, got drafted in New York. And um, San Francisco 49ers picked me up with the sixth pick Tell, overall. Uh, you know, I was about to say – because for me, I was a uh, six-round draft choice. Uh-huh. I was going to say, tell me about that call, Vernon. But I realized you didn't uh-huh. get a call. You were in New York. You were in the suit. So tell us about that well, experience. Well, I did get a call you, you well, did. as I was sitting there. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they called me. <laughs> that's different, though. I mean, it's incredible. But I want to hear about that. Tell me about that. So you're sitting there. What pick were you in the first? Uh, six. You were the sixth pick of the first round? Yeah. Okay, you the sixth pick of the first round. You're sitting there. What part of you says I could possibly be the number one pick? Is there any piece of you thinking that honestly, between you and I, the number one pick in the draft, between you and I and the millions Uh, of people listening? No, I didn't think I would be the number one pick. I thought I would be four to four, anywhere from four to six. You said I could be four. I could be four, and I said that because the Jets they they showed so much interest, Mm -hmm. and um, I mean, as you know, I went to the I went to visit with them. I spent a lot of time with them. Uh, They, I mean. They had conversation, multiple conversations with my grandmother, just saying how much they really wanted wanted me. And, and when they were up, they were number four. You were like this. this so I was getting myself ready. I was fixing my tie and, you know, I'm hitting my. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hold on. I was hitting my <clears throat> grandmother. <clears throat> I was like, mom, you want to take us? You want to take me? <laughs> and she's sitting there. She's getting ready. She's, she's just getting happy. Next thing you know. With the Forest pick in the NFL <laughs> draft, 2006 NFL draft. Who did they take? The New York Jets select. V- Debrickershaw Ferguson. Uh, Virginia. I heard V in there. So Debrickershaw. Uh, I guess he made a mistake. Did you stand up? De- I-, I was getting ready. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Debrick. And I said, oh. And I just sat back down. My grandma was like, she's like, that's funny. That so who had the, who had the fifth pick? Uh, fifth was who was fifth? I think it was uh, was it Vince Young? I believe. Oh uh, uh, no, AJ Hawk really? to Green Bay. Wow, AJ Hawk number five. Yeah, he was number five. Good for him. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow, that's serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so AJ Hawk, and then uh, so six. San Fran gets on the board. San Fran? No. San Francisco. San Francisco board, gets on yeah. the board. and um, I got a call right before they selected me. So you get the call, yeah. and you answer the phone, and talk to us about that conversation. That's a that's an important conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Are you crying? Are you crying? No, Turner was on the phone. Oh. Yeah, I was crying. I was shedding tears. I was crying. Vernon? Snore. How you doing, bud? I'm good. <laughs> Congratulations. We're taking you. It's like, okay, thank you. And I hug up the phone. My grandma was sitting there. She, that was she it. Tissue. She's crying and stuff. And um, you know, I get up, button my suit, and then walk out on stage. Wow. You walk out on stage. When you start That's to walk awesome. across that stage, there must have been, you cannot buy that type of euphoria. I don't care what yeah. you're into. Yeah. Am I wrong? You're right. Um, what well, what's that feeling like? It's like, you know, just you know, I just had a flashback of everything that I that I went through. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the path, right? Just growing up, getting arre- getting arrested and just being just a, a regular kid raised in the house with six other siblings by my grandparents. Um not really knowing my mom and dad that well. 
and having a dream and just being able to just pull my brother, my little brother along and, and just, um, you know, just going through so much adversity and just having the perseverance to just, you know, just continue to, to go on with life. Even, even when there was times where, where it just seemed difficult and it was just so much stress and it seems, it seemed as if, you know, I wasn't gonna make it, but I kept that faith and that belief. I was optimistic and I just kept going. And I, you know, I didn't look back. I just knew, I just had that faith, you know, being sure with you hopeful and certain of what you do not see. Um, I just kept that and I didn't look back. And I just kept thinking about it. And that's where all the tears came from. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like I'm living it as you tell the story, but you think about all the, crap and all the hurdles and challenges mm. that you went through is just so much and mm. it's overwhelming man just that it is the, overwhelming it is it is but it's uh man it's nothing like success is the most one of the most amazing highs that you could ever be on i mean mm -hmm. just just to just think about something right just to have a visual of something that you want to do and then to achieve it is more meaningful than anything right mm -hmm. it's like i tell everybody you can never really make money the main target right it should never ever really be about money because mm -hmm. if it's ever about money then you won't really have the success that you're looking for that mm -hmm. you're seeking it, you can never make it it has to be more about what you know what's important to you why do you want to achieve this and what what will it do for you what will you do with it mm -hmm. when you get it right yeah it, will you help yeah. people will you inspire people yeah you know and um and that and that was my that was the only goal and that's why you know i tell everybody like once you get the formula to success, then there's nothing that you can't be successful at. You can right. do anything you want to do. Yeah. You just take whatever it is that you're doing and you put in all the time and energy into something else and you don't look back. You do it, you do it, you do it, you do it. You dream it, you you you, you just, you, you do everything that you possibly can to make sure that you get whatever it is you're going after. Right, right. Well, sounds like an incredible moment. Um, you drafted by San Fran. You're off to San Fran in uh, the beginning days. Uh, it's it's a whirlwind. There's uh -huh. a rookie camp, then there's mini camp, then there's training camp. You know, you're in training camp going through the grind of, I hate that word grind, but you're going through the ups and downs of training camp. What's that like on your body? And talk to me about your experiences, like, you know, the physicality and the psychology of mm -hmm. going through, because training mm -hmm. camp is, Training camp in the NFL is hard. Like mm -hmm. It's long. And uh, what was it like for you? Um, it is. You know what? You have a point. It is. Training camp in the NFL, training camp, anything in the NFL is hard. That's right. <laughs> Any work that you do. But you can't allow yourself to be, your mind to be captive like that. You can't tell yourself that it's hard. You have to tell yourself that it's easy. Mm -hmm. That's what I've done my entire Absolutely. career. I've always said that this is easy. It's a piece of cake, you know, and it's nothing. Right? right, it's easy, and right. and that's that's the self talk that I've always had, and I continue to use that self talk because it's imperative. You know, you just it just helps you to become more um, optimistic and, and positive about the situation that you're in, right? Right. And um, but you know, when I look back on my past, I think about all the hard work and sweat that I put in, the energy, the time, and I just can't really figure out. I just ask myself, like, how did I do it? How did I get through those tough battles? How did I get through those tough times? Like, that was really tough. Oh, that yeah. was extremely hard. 
I mean, just, you know, for those, for the listeners out there who don't know Vernon, I don't know how anyone wouldn't know, but let's say you don't, aren't extremely familiar with who Vernon Davis is. To look at Vernon Davis, he's 6'3", 6'4", roughly. 6'4". 6'4", 250 pounds. Yes. 250 245. pounds. 245. The guy's waist is small. He's got big shoulders. He's ripped. 36 he's strong. Waist. 36 waist. Almost 34. I'm telling you, this guy's a freak-looking athlete, you know. Um, but even he had like hardship and 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 challenges and obstacles and hurdles. And what is all? I get someone on this show. I don't care if they're a financial genius, they own a sports team, they're a professional athlete, they're an A-list actor. They keep throwing themselves back in the arena, and that's why all of these individuals. Now I'm hearing it from Vernon. Like, how did he do it? They have the ability to get up, dust themselves off. And I know it's cliche, but to keep going and coming back and back and back again and again and again. And he did that. And it's interesting to hear his the psychology that went on behind it. NFL training camp, is. I'm, I'm going to tell you it was extremely hard. It's brutal on your body. It's brutal. Think of the hardest workout you've ever done. It happens twice a day. It happens twice a day. And he tells himself it's easy. He, he it's a it's a psychological trick that sounds simple, but it's not. And he's he's tricking his mind into, you know, going through it, but not just surviving it. He's gonna make it like cake. And he keeps telling himself that every day. And that not the shoulders, the body, the rip, the fit, the speed, the athleticism, that's what makes this individual truly extraordinary. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, and no worries. My pleasure. So you get in your first NFL game and the hype and the excitement. I can only imagine the euphoria and the energies through the roof. Talk to me about that first NFL game and that first NFL experience. I just remember going out there and we. I think we, we were playing against, uh, it was the first preseason game I remember. It was against Oak, the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I was going up against Namdi Asuma, who I've become really good friends with. Uh, but I remember. Great player, And huh? I just, oh, yeah, he, was, wow. he had a tremendous career. Um, he's married to Kerry Washington, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Good, yeah, good for him. married to Kerry Washington. They just had a boy working, on, uh, girl, a uh, kid working on the second now one. Now I have even more respect for him. Yeah. 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 Ah. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Yeah, no, I won't. I won't. This is off the record, by the way. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I get out there. I just find myself just going in circles. I'm just looking up at the stadium. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> It's hard here. not to be a kid, right? Yeah, I'm it's like, hard. I'm actually here. And I just, and it was it was great, man. My energy was just out of the roof. I was just ready to go. I was excited, just ready to make plays and just get out there. And that's one thing I do right now. I go back to those days, right? The first first few days, and I just remind myself, of, hey, this, you know, I have to always be like this. You have to always be like this. You have to always be excited. When you go out there, you have to be excited. You have to be like a kid. You have to be just ready to just do it. Do whatever you have to do to just to just to just win and just and and keep that hunger inside you, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have to remind myself that because we can become complacent in so many so many different levels. Oh right? yeah, oh yeah. And um, you know, especially when you 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 have success, you know, you have to go back to to the roots where it started and just remind yourself mentally. And, and how else do you do that, Vernon? Because when you're you know first you're a six pick in the draft, uh, first rounder. You're starting in the NFL. Uh, you're projected to do all these world-class things. How do you keep humble? How do you keep yourself humble? You know, I mean, I remember 
the rapper Biggie Smalls, uh, God rest his soul, I remember hearing his music and loving his music, and then one time he did an interview, and the one thing I'll never forget him saying was, you have to approach your first, excuse me, every single job, like it's an internship or it's your first opportunity. And if you can do that, you'll be successful for the rest of your life. How did you do that? How did you stay humble, and how did you keep that enthusiasm up? Well, humility is just something that's in your heart, right? <clears throat> it's either in your heart or it's not, right? You, um, and, and that's what life is about. It's all about your heart. It's like, who are you inside, right? The, the mind is just the eyes for the heart, right? A lot of people, they might get this information or they, or, and, and they take this information and it goes here, but it's, it's not supposed to go here. It's supposed to go through your heart first, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if, it's, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to work on humility and you're trying to become a better person, this and that, it's all about here. And that's one thing I've always, I've always done. All I did is just over the years just continue to just put myself in, um, in, in the same um, realm as, uh, as, as like-minded people, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those people who, 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 has, who has a good heart and who, who wants to do good things. And, 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 I, and I stayed that way because I know that, you know, the amount of success that I'm given, it could easily be taken away if I'm not a good person. And, and you must remain a good person. Oh, yeah. You have to be a good person. Amongst anything, you have to be a good person and treat other people the way you would like to be treated. Right, million percent, and and that's like the number one rule, right? You can't break that. You have to sure. do that, and, and that's one thing I've always done. Uh, treated people fairly. Uh, never really despised anyone. Um, I've always uh, uh, just been um, um, just one of those guys that anybody could come to and talk to. You know, I, I never ignored anyone, and just um, and just prayed about everything. Always been a you know a praying guy. Man. Awesome. Awesome. They have very important rule, the golden rule, treat people mm -hmm. as you wish to be treated. And then, yeah. um, you know, of course, I, I've learned the hard way myself personally. If you don't work hard to humble yourself every single day, the world will do it for you. Mm -hmm. So, um, so talk to me about your, you know, your, your, we, I, I have to ask about this. Mm -hmm. And nothing really specific other than the character and the approach and the intensity of this person. Because when I was growing up, a five foot eleven, two hundred twenty pound linebacker mm -hmm. who plays in the NFL and who's one of the best is a big deal. Mm -hmm. So Mike Singletary was a great linebacker in the NFL. Tell me about uh, his mentality as a coach. What was it like playing for Mike Singletary? I mean, I know that he didn't have uh, a crazy amount of success, but what was it like being around him? What kind of individual was he? He was tough. He was tough. He was. Um He's old school, right? Old school, yeah, very, very old school. Uh, the things that he believed in, he just believed in hard work, right? I mean, whether it's running heels and you know, just hard work, just on a daily basis, like the details. He was always he was critical about the details, mm -hmm. the little things, and and it makes sense that you know, the, it's, the, it's there's all it's always the little things that, that count most, right? Um, and he was a great he was a great guy. He was a great leader, great mentor. Learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very thankful to have crossed paths with him because I learned a lot and you know um you know he was there at the right time right mm -hmm. the timing was perfect couldn't have been better um you know I miss him dearly and uh you know I think he was uh he was definitely an inspiration in my life wow it's crazy how those people uh the teacher appears when the student's ready so to speak mm -hmm. and that's cool mm -hmm. it's great to learn uh, and learn about your uh, experience with Mike mm -hmm. um so this this past year, uh, let, let's talk about it. Your your 
the Denver Broncos, you, you get signed by the Denver Broncos and you go into that franchise, uh, I'd say a historic and a very powerful, a very well-respected organization. And you show up and mm -hmm. you're around someone like Peyton Manning. Uh, what is that like? And of course, I can't wait to talk about your Super Bowl experience. I really want to talk about that. But what was that like showing up in Denver and being around uh, Peyton Manning? Oh, Peyton, he's a... Uh He's incredible. He yeah. exemplifies what it takes to be a true leader. He minimizes himself. He practices he practices humility on a daily basis. Yeah. For he's so much success. Yeah, he, crazy, huh? Yeah, he's just like a great guy. Good heart. Always uh checking in on people. Um, you know, around the locker room. He's he's very thoughtful. He's he gives and he's just one of those guys when you when you see him you know that he's Peyton Manning, but you also know that he's a great human being, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where it starts. As far as being a leader, you have to be a great human being. And it goes back to what we were just talking about, right? Oh yeah. Being a great oh, yeah. person. You know, you can't it's not you can't make it about you. You have to make it about the about the people you're with, right? Mm -hmm. And when you do that, then automatically, um inevitable it's, it's it's inevitable that things uh, you know, will shape, you know, into mm -hmm the way that you want them to, right? Absolutely. It, it'll come into fruition. But it's just, um, you know, you just have to just be that good person. Right. And uh, that's what he, he was. And it was just an honor and a privilege to be able to just sit beside him. You know, actually, I, I uh, deliberately uh, picked a seat right next to him in the meeting rooms wow. because I just wanted to just get that capture that energy. Oh, yeah. You know, that winning, that winning spirit. A million percent. You know, so to speak. Smart move. Smart move. Um, you know, he obviously has a very, very high football acumen. He knows his stuff backwards, and um, you're, you're, you're playing for the Denver Broncos, mm -hmm. and I have to talk about it. You know, for the listeners, what you can't see is Vernon, Hol Vernon holding this gigantic Super Bowl ring that I'm going to ask to hold for a second that is not only uh, huge and heavy, but pretty darn cool what was it like to experience this Super Bowl I mean you work your whole life to kind of get to this level and I know it's a, it's so much about the process like you know they say the view that's mm -hmm. incredible by the way thank you I appreciate it congratulations um, well deserved I'm very very happy for you what was that experience like well to be able it was a great experience it was it was amazing you know when I left San Francisco I knew that something wonderful was waiting for me because it's not every day or every year where you get a player that you know he just gets traded mid-season it just doesn't happen that way mostly um um and and, and it happened you know i you know i didn't there, there were no no there was no um remorse um or anything you know every, everything was perfect it was the way everything that happens is supposed to happen and i just went with it and um you know, I, I just kept going, and, and and to be able to go to Denver mid-season, win a Super, come back here to San Jose, stay home, and you know, uh, win it in the Super in the stadium uh, where I went from a boy to a man. Uh, and as far as the city, was incredible. Couldn't ask for anything more. It, it just worked out perfectly. Everything yeah. was amazing. What a just once in a lifetime, hopefully maybe more than a lifetime, actually, mm -hmm. a couple of times in a lifetime, but what a great experience. You know, I remember uh, watching 
um, you know, you're, you're standing on that field uh, in the victory celebration. What, what is that like? You're standing under the confetti and the fans and family and all mm-hmm. your loved ones. I mean, what is that like? I mean, you're just thinking about your grandma, the whole thing. Um, that was great. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. But to actually win it, it puts everything in perspective. Yeah. It's like, it, it it just takes me back to like, you know, just the beginning of training camp, mid-season, then the end of the season, just working hard and just staying together amongst the group, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything's possible, but it's so hard to get it. I mean, it's, it's so, it's extremely hard. So, you know, I, I don't take it for granted. Right. It was just, um, it was that moment I embraced it because I didn't know, I don't know if I would ever get back there again. Exactly. You know, I was fortunate enough to play in it before, but, you know, it didn't win. Um, uh, but um, actually, you know, ended up winning this year was uh, and, and being a big part of it was just uh, incredible, man. I, I can't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was just amazing. You know, I think about the guys, Vernon, that show up year one they go to Super Bowl and win it mm-hmm. it's like I don't think they understand how lucky they are like mm-hmm. we as you said to, to go to one but to win one the stars have to align in a very specific way and be perfect and then you win the Super Bowl and, and you know thinking about everything you've been through uh, and then in the off season um, you're you're actually moving on to another team the Washington Redskins but this is even more special because or correct me if I'm wrong, you're from the area. Yes. And that's, I mean, you're, almost, you're playing for the hometown team pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. What's it like to go back there now? Because they have a very storied franchise. There's a lot of amazing fans there. Mm-hmm. I have a, a close personal friend that's a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Eric Story. And uh, I told you about Eric mm-hmm. with the, with the uh, tattoo. And he's, uh, yeah. he's going to be listening to this. And he'll be one of your biggest fans. Mm-hmm. What's it like there? Because those fans are, you know, fanatical. They love it. Yeah, I'm learning more and more about uh, the the organization as well as the the fan base. Um, it's been it's been great so far. You know, um, I'm still uh, finding my way, but um, I'm getting more acclimated as the days continue to go by. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 beautiful being able to play back in Washington D.C. Right. After all, I grew up a Washington Redskins fan. I remember back in I was so young, but I believe it was 1987. 87, yeah, the great show, the great, one of the, the best shows on um, in, in the NFL history uh, when right. uh, Doug, Doug Williams and- That's right, Doug Williams, and, uh, Grambling. Yeah, Doug Williams and, and the Broncos, John Elway. That's right. You know, it was a, it wow. was a, a brawl. Did you, I don't know if you, you remember any highlights, but I remember, I vividly remember Doug Williams going back. I was uh, three, four at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, three. Okay. Yeah, I was three at the time. Um, Doug Williams going back and he kind of his legs went up up, from, up under him and he kind of like oh, everybody thought he was just out that's right you know but he um, that was a great game man and you know uh, for him to be able to go in there and take John Elway down was uh, pretty impressive but that's right. you know I remember I, I, I remember as a kid I remember that moment you know I know I was so young but I still remember scenes I can't really see it right. it's, it's really really vague but I remember, right? Right. You know, and um, you know, just it's it's beautiful to be able to go back and play in front of family, friends, and everyone uh, that knows me, who are familiar with me. It's it's a beautiful thing. 
it's I'm really excited for you. I'm going to be watching. Um, you know, we, we've talked so much about your history and, and your upbringing and in uh, trials and tribulations and just the obstacles, hurdles. Now, the Magna Method fans, our intention, Vernon, is to learn as much as possible about how you maintain what you are today. We're coming mm -hmm. up. I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but talk to us about what you do and what you would tell your younger self. You, would, well, you, you know, in recovery and nutrition and the things that you do to put yourself in a position to be successful, to have longevity on the field, right? Mm -hmm. What things would you tell your younger self that are so very important? To have longevity? Yeah, to have longevity. I would tell my younger self. And what, Vernon, what, what, I'm sorry, what you tell the younger guys, because remember you said the guys come up yeah. to you and ask you, what do you yeah. tell them? Well, I tell, I tell the younger guys, and I would also tell my younger self that uh, make sure that you, 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 you properly take care of your body, right? Your body is everything that you have, and you need to start now. You know, don't wait until later on and you start playing this catch-up game where all of a sudden you want to take care of your body. Start now. You know, eat right, the proper nutrition. Make sure you're getting an ample amount of protein in your body on a daily basis. Uh, staying away from tons of bread and, you know, uh, fried foods and, and sugar and, you know, and just um, take care of your body. Don't mm -hmm. wait. Mm -hmm. you, you, you can't wait. Uh, waste no time um, doing that. But um, I, I, will, I will get past, pass along that message because it's imperative that, that these young kids start now you know you have a lot of guys you know i get a lot of guys coming to me saying that they they wish they they would have started earlier as far as the uh proper nutrition and mm -hmm. just taking care of themselves because they um they, they're starting to feel the effects of you know the the wrong foods that they were putting in their body um but you also uh to segue back quickly you also take your training very very serious uh -huh. and you know my experience with vernon uh we were working at, a, I was training uh, Vernon at a facility in Aventura, Florida. Vernon attacks his training. I'm going to tell this quick story. I don't know if you remember this story. Do you remember the drill that we did with the sled sprints? Yeah. Meaning, so there's two, first of all, these sleds are very heavy. They weigh at least 55 pounds. And, but there's a 45-pound plate on the sled as well. So Vernon's wearing a uh, weight belt, mm -hmm. and the chain is going from the weight belt to the sled. So we do a few sprints like, well, he does a few sprints like that. I didn't do anything. I was just watching. And then there's another drill where you attach the second sled mm -hmm. to the first sled. You know this drill? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first time I saw an athlete do it, they would sprint and both sleds would drag behind the athlete. This day was a bit different. So we attach the sled to Vernon and he starts to run. We did a few. Then we attach the second sled. Now the second sled... The chain going from the first sled to the second sled, there's a lot of slack in that ch in to that sled. You know why. Mm -hmm. It simulates an athlete running with resistance. Maybe there's a ball carrier. He's dragging a ball carrier. Then it simulates another defender hitting him. So he's running, and he can't feel the effects of the second sled. But when that chain gets tight and buckles, the other sled kicks in, right? Vernon's sprinting. The other chain kicked in. The second sled lifted up off the ground. Now, I've never seen that before. And that was the first time I, I saw it. And when I saw it, I immediately looked to my, le my left and right and looked at the other coaches. And I was saying, that's different. I've never really seen that before. And they looked at me. They said, 
none of us have seen that before. So that was amazing. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the heck out of it. So he attacks his training and his nutrition and his recovery now. Let's tell the younger kids uh, or whoever listening, what would be Vernon Davis's three pillars of success that you, I, these three things enable you to get where you are? Is it, you know, uh, discipline, uh, consistency, effort, habit, enthusiasm, passion? What are your three, excuse me, pillars of success? Passion, um, humility, and um, hard work. Passion, humility, and hard work. Awesome. I always tell people, don't do anything unless you're going to do it with passion. Mm-hmm. And humility, we talked about that before. You've mm-hmm. got to stay humble. Yes. And, uh, you do a great job of that, so yeah. thank you for that. Oh, no, pro- no worries. Um, all right. Last thing. This is a speed round of questions, Vernon. Um, it's been awesome to sit down with you. I really can't thank you enough. Mm-hmm. These questions are just quick, fun questions to get the audience to learn a little mm-hmm. bit more about who you are. And I don't have my computer in front of me, so I'm going to do the very best I can. The Def- top top defender you hated playing against? Top defender I hate, hated to play against? Um, Adrian Wilson. And why? Because he was so big. He was strong. He was fast. I mean, I mean <laughs> he was just laying people out. One time he hit me, and I went to their sideline. <laughs> that dude was like a linebacker, man, playing safety. It was unfair. That's serious. That's awesome. Uh Okay, um, excuse me. Favorite pastime? Favorite pastime is probably um, watching my firstborn. Wow. Yeah, that was, uh, that, was, that was amazing. That was incredible to me. I just never seen anything like it. And I remember the first time. Um, it just really opened my eyes. I was like, wow. There must have been a special There is there. a God. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> congrats. That's that's mm-hmm. um favorite habit favorite habit is um or ritual catching balls catching balls catching least. footballs and tennis balls like I, every night before i go to bed i catch 100 tennis balls off from off the wall really yeah i'll take three balls and i'll throw them up against the wall sim- simultaneously oh cool and uh and catch them that's probably like my favorite habit that, great uh favorite book favorite book is probably uh grit to grind Grit to Grind. Uh, Grit to Grind by, uh, what's the author now? I can't think of the author. Um, I never remember the author. Usually I do. Grit to Grind. Can someone Grit Google, to grind. Google that so we can yeah. get the uh, Grit to Grind? Yes, yeah, Grit to Grind. It's, okay. a, it's a great book for anyone. It's just, it's really motivational. I love it. Um, I probably went through it twice in like two weeks, three weeks. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Favorite food? Favorite food is Mediterranean food. Favorite cheat food? Favorite cheat food? Chocolate brownies. Chocolate brownies. Nice. Favorite TV show? Favorite TV show is probably uh, Ballers. Ballers. With The Rock. Nice. Ooh. In Miami. Yeah. Favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time is probably going to be... Um, you can give a comedy and a serious one if you want. Comedy and serious one? Uh, favorite movie right now I'm going to have to say is uh, White Men Can't Jump. Nice. Number one. I like that. Woody Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. Yeah, that was hilarious. Um, and Bad Boys. It was Martin La- Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Miami. Yeah. You're a Miami person at heart, man. I, I guess I guess so. I guess so. But I would never live there, man. I'll leave that. I'll come visit you, though. <sighs> yeah, please come check us out. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
visit anatomy you make, uh, everyone very happy favorite quote favorite quote um do the necessary do the necessary things do the possible then all of a sudden you'll be doing the impossible very nice quote very nice quote mm -hmm. favorite type of music favorite type of music is uh r&b gospel nice if you could sit down with one person current day or in history to have dinner with who would that be michael jordan michael jordan i i don't think i need to ask why okay the last thing i'm going to ask you what is the most important goal or what is something that you want to accomplish in the next five years that's extremely close and important to your heart in the next five years in the next five years i want to be a tv star a tv star yeah in I want to be on tv i want to do like uh with his movies just uh, just hosting shows. I just want to be big in that industry. You should. You should. Yeah. Are you doing anything now? Uh, yeah, I do TV? things. I do. Um, I do. I do things. I, I try to indulge. I, WME. They help me out a lot with, with that. I've been on. Um, I've been doing shows like Whose Line Is It Anyway? Uh, Family Feud. I've done. Um, no reality TV shows in the works. Um, no, but I did. A, I just recently did a movie. You which made, movie? Made um, an appearance in a movie. Uh, which one? Baywatch with The Rock. Baywatch. Yeah, it comes out next year in May. Old school. Yeah. I remember the older Baywatch, but I'm not going to give away my age. Mm -hmm. Vernon, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Really, it's been a treat. Everyone's going to love it. I wish you continued success. And uh, I just want to say thank you for being a humble, solid guy and uh, positive influence. Thank you very much. Thanks appreciate for having it. me. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you. That's it for the Magna Method. Uh, listen in to hear everything to take on Vernon's upbringing, his experience at high school, college, and the NFL. Have an amazing, positive week.